Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles, and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. Welcome to Friday's episode of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Fowler and I'm joined on this occasion by Joel Sked. Hello. And Sean McGuigan. Hello. And on this show we're going to talk through a number of lower league things, that's why Sean's here. Yes. <laughs> but first we'll start with the games in the Europa League on Thursday night. Uh, we've kind of ignored them on the main show so far this season because we tend to record on a Thursday and it's just been a bit annoying to try and, <coughs> and fit these games in. But seeing as we're coming to the business end of the groups and both Rangers and Celtic are in contention to reach the knockout stages, we thought, why not knock it back 24 hours and let's discuss it then. Also, you know, helped that we had nobody to record a Thursday show. So. Is, is that right? I just thought, I just thought it, nobody could do it last night. But then my phone was broken for a bit. Well, it was kind of, it helped both, because I originally did say Friday, and then I think I said Friday night and try to get something set up there, and then completely forgot, like, just about all of us are going to Young Fathers today, except for you two, losers. Yeah, sorry about that. I had about 700 messages to catch up on, so there was no way I was going to uh, read all of them by the time I had a phone again. Okay. And Joel actually had a ticket and then backed out. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those where it was ve- I was very much reluctant. However, when I woke up this morning, I was delighted I had because, my God, was I tired. Also, the shower rail fell on me. <laughs> Clocked my head. So I was just standing naked in my bath, dripping, shaking my head and laughing. Oh, horrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> horrible vision, that is. <laughs> At quarter to six in the morning. Uh, a naked, injured Joe. <laughs> Can I link that to Rosenberg Celtic? 
No, no, I can't. <laughs> Let's just delve into it. So, Joe, you mainly watched this one. Yes, it was like watching a preseason friendly. <laughs> it was. Like, from the little I saw of the game, I was struck by how little tempo there seemed to be to a lot of it. Other than Celtic, maybe, and Rosenberg in like the last five minutes. Yeah, Rosenberg, they, they kind of came into it towards kind of make a half, half-hearted attempt to get back into it. But they could still have qualified. However, it was a very unlikely scenario for them to, to do so. Celtic started pretty well, and they, they had just had a lot of control... They didn't have they didn't have to play with a lot of pace. So obviously, with with Forrest, team with the goal, um, Christian and Cajun and Rogic, they would they would step step up a level or a gear every now and then. But it suited them. It was perfect because they are uh, obviously they were flying back that night and they got this uh, this obviously semi final. They got the final on on Sunday. That going f- kind of going through the motions uh, in second or third gear was 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 ideal. So they're not using. A lot of energy up. They were able to take off. Uh, so I think Forrest came off. Lustig came off with uh, a, a knock, which was unsurprising. Um, and Edward, he was given sixty-five, um, just sixty-five minutes. Rogers was keen for both him and Griffiths to get to get game time. And then you saw Scott Brown coming back as well. So it, it really was just um, okay. It wasn't exciting, but Celtic it was very professional and efficient. Scott Brown, who seemed to find a hairdresser in Tron time. Yeah, because I noticed when I was looking at the pictures that he was he he had here, like days leading up to it, and just decided to get. I mean, I say he's a hairdresser. The guy probably earns about like thirty grand a week. He, I'm sure he can afford just a set of razors that he can carry yeah, with him. I'm sure there's uh, Edward or uh, someone who's got fancy stuff in the hair would just be able to shave it off for him. I thought it looked even more unusual with hair. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the pictures of him and James Forrest in in suits? They they got the. Yeah, went to this place to get uh, tailor-made suits. My God, do they both look uh, like they should belong in suits? <laughs> Less like, is a court date. <laughs> yeah. So so Brown. But the thing is, Brown. You'd expect him to maybe wear a Burton suit. You'd it would suit a Burton suit. But this was just a really fancy suit. Like, just doesn't look right there. Forrest just looked really uncomfortable. And again, he seems to have less of a neck in a suit than he does in a football shirt. <laughs> a John. negative neck. <laughs> Sean, did you watch the game? Uh, I watched the vast majority of it, yes. I thought it was quite a strange game, uh, as Joe said. It was, uh, the first half was as dominant as I've seen Celtic away from home uh, in Europe. And then despite that, with about 15 minutes to go, I thought they're absolutely going to chuck this away here. <laughs> even though, to be fair, as much as it was more, the second half was more even. And Rosenberg never really looked like they were going to score, but you just felt Celtic was going to somehow contrive to, to throw it in here. Uh, Gordon's kicking doesn't always fill me with confidence. I wasn't particularly keen at that at various points of the game. But no, I mean, I think having a, a kind of central defensive partnership for the first time in maybe this season mm-hmm. uh, helps a lot. And as you say, they're able to take off Forrest and kind of preserve him for the for the cup final they were. Uh, yeah, thoroughly deserved a win, which doesn't come along too often away from home in Europe. Yeah, so I agree that they're... We were talking towards the end of the game last night because I'd started writing up like my five things and player ratings... And Gordon was I don't, I don't think he had to save Like an actual A save to make But there was a, cu- a couple of nervy moments Where a cross went in the box Or a corner came in And thinking Oh They could could squeeze something out here Which uh, Which which would have made me very angry However uh, Yeah I completely agree with Benkovic And Boyata looked into it Benkovic And he's played 11 games for Celtic And they've conceded 3 goals They've kept 9 clean sheets in those 11 games he again, they, him and Boyata didn't have much to do, but there was one where in the second half, Rosenberg got behind, put a great ball into the box, and uh, missed out Boyata. But Benkovic was there, just yeah. 
came swept up and they just I think they just suit each other they're both powerful they're both quick they're both confident it seems like if Dedrick Boyat is playing with another player who's um, kind of as, as, as confident as he can be sometimes where you, you think maybe he's too over, overconfident it just seems to um, make him feel more comfortable whereas if he's for example playing with Jack Henry it seems he seems to think shit I'm the senior one here more, there's there's more responsibility more pressure on me and uh, it kind of, I don't know if maybe it's a mental thing but both of them look probably the best centre-back partnership since Denier and Van Dijk. It's probably not a case of being senior, because he's obviously more senior than Benkovic as well, he's about six years older than mm. him. But I think it's just a case of you're, if you don't trust your centre-half partner, then yeah. you have to think about their game as well as yeah. your own. He has to concentrate on the other guy's game rather than just his own game. Uh, I thought Tierney was very good as well, especially in the first half, gave him width down that side. Yeah, I, him and Forrest were the, I think I gave him the highest uh, highest marks last night. Uh, Forrest, will come on to him in a sec, but yeah, Tierney, the way that Celtic, they went back to the back, like a back four rather than this, the high kind of hybrid 3-5-2 they were playing uh, at times last season. And Forrest had been taking, playing a lot more centrally. As you saw this Scotland as well, so the the width really does just come from Tierney now. And one something that I think is really underrated with him is his acceleration. Sometimes he just from a standard start, it would just knock it, and uh, it would just go from like zero to I don't know twenty mile an hour. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like that. I think the popular way to say is zero to sixty, even though you're not talking okay. in a car. I wasn't sure. That's what I was thinking. Do I go for zero sixty because he doesn't do sixty. <laughs> zero to I don't know twenty mile an hour. <laughs> that's probably right though. Yeah, that's, that's what I was using back yeah. Where a zero to sixty would be. Just, just, yeah, that'd just be silly. I'm a journalist. I'm dealing with facts. That means he's literally a car. <laughs> yeah, which he's no. Thank you, Sean. Uh, yeah, so we'll go back to we'll go back to forest. I I just think he's it's it's come it's come the time now where he is the leading forward player if that makes sense that you've had Sinclair in the f- kind of first season you've always had Rogic on the periphery you've had Musa Dembele as well but now now it just seems to be him so Odson Edward I think he's a talented really talented player but again last night you think he's still lacking consistency um, he's still like performances last night still bring doubts. Sinclair's getting back to a bit more consistency but he's still not that same player that terrified defences in his first season uh, Rogic actually lasted 90 minutes 90 minutes last night but he's not been as um, as dominant as dominant as his talent suggests but Forrest just I think he's just become a, a, a much more all round player I wouldn't be surprised to see him play more centrally even, even I may be uh, maybe forced to admit that I think Forrest might actually be quite good now. <laughs> it's only taken me about six years. <laughs> uh, just to make the you said for uh, Rogic lasted the ninety minutes. He's done that quite a few times recently, hasn't he? I think he, he done back to back games not long ago. Oh, did he? Yeah, that's, I, I did. I, I, I've been actually been meaning to look that up because it's there was a, there was a spell where it was just like sixty five minutes up off he come Rogic and he just looked uh, just looked totally fed up. It was quite easy for him to do it. Last night, yeah, such, yeah. such a slow paced game, especially in the second half. So it's now fully in Celtic's hands. They just need a draw for the final game against Salzburg at home. Salzburg don't have anything to play for because they've already won the group, although they may get some pressure from their bosses at Red Bull who are saying, please win this game so we can send their other teams yeah. through to the, the second round as well. But there wasn't any kind of stitch up as you, you kind of tend to see in football um, when it suits, even, even if it doesn't necessarily for the whole Red Bull thing, it kind of almost, well, it suited. Leipzig more than the city Salzburg because Salzburg could just get out of the road but they would have 
I mean, a draw would have been the worst result for them, so they could have just kind of. Or was it no? It wasn't a draw. It was um, for Leipzig to win. That would that would have maybe stitched up Celtic. Yes, right. Because then all three teams could conceivably have finished on twelve points, points and yeah. Celtic would have finished third, depending on what the score was at Celtic Park. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you don't want to leave that just on the off chance that Celtic have a brilliant night in Salzburg and pump them 4-0 or whatever. What was the score in the first leg? 2-0? It was. And no, no, it was 2-1 meant uh, Ed- Edwards um, scored early on. Oh, yeah. And then he just got... Oh, but there you go. I mean, Celtic could beat them 2-0 and then that would be Celtic going on the head-to-head, yeah, yeah. so... Even when, uh, even when they won the last game, I actually didn't fancy them to, to get through, only because... As much as they were playing Rosenberg in the next game, and the, the expectation seemed to be that Celtic would go there and win, I, I didn't fancy them to win at all, just because it was Celtic away from home and yeah. away from home in Europe. I but last it. night didn't. You know how like you watch Celtic away from home in Europe, and it's almost like the same story just repeated over and over again. But last night it, it just wasn't like that at all. Albeit the last ten minutes, I did think oh, this could still slip away here. <laughs> so do we think they'll do it? Yeah, I, I think they'll. Um, I think they'll, they'll qualify now. It would be. It's going to be like a Champions League night. In, in Europe just because it's um, it's all kind of riding on that match again similar to the Leipzig game yeah again the, the I think it gets overplayed how good Celtic's home form is uh, there was certainly a period where they were um, fearful at, at Celtic Park but again they're obviously much better at Celtic Park than they are away because I think Craig Anderson tweeted from SPL Stats account last night that was only their third win in a Euro- European group stage yeah. game but yeah, I think just they they've got players coming back, almost almost fully fit squad. Uh, Chris Fire is probably the only one that's still a bit away, but that they've just they've got a lot of options. Um, yeah, I think I think they're just going to go and up a level. And the fact that they've had such a slow start to the season might actually help them after um, into European competition after uh, after Christmas if they do go for. I think if Salzburg turn up at Celtic Park and fancy it. I think it'll be hard. I yeah, think, yeah, I think, definitely, I, yeah. I think all the teams in, in Celtic's group and Rangers group of all the opponents they've had, I think Salzburg are the best of the best out of those teams. Uh, but I don't think they will. I think uh, I can see Celtic getting through. Okay, on to the other game on Thursday night that took place at Ibrox: Rangers nil, Spartak Moscow. Spartak Moscow. Villarreal nil. Done well there. Spartak, Spartak Moscow actually. I mean, the worst case scenario for Rangers, I think, would have been a Spartak Moscow victory. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they were helped in the sense that Spartak Moscow didn't win, but they really would have been helped had the score stayed the same as it was in the 90th minute between the first game, which uh, kicked off at 5 o'clock, I think it was, or even Around before the, then. Yeah, just, just before. In fact, no, even before then, because it was finished before the. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was finished before the Celtic game started, so it must yes. have kicked off at 4 or something like that. No, I think it kicked off just before four. I think right. it was three, three fifty or something. So I didn't finish. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> You're present to precise. It was zero at twenty, and it was three forty-five. Had had that game finished one each, then Rangers could conceivably have qualified with two draws. Yeah, because in that article we seen it, it was uh, Rangers had received a Europa League boost. Yes, and then, but now they needed four points instead of two, so it wasn't that big a boost. Ah, yeah, had had Sparta. It was kind of a, a boost in the sense that Sparta and Moscow didn't win, so it's now in Rangers' own hands. If they beat Rapid Vienna, they're going to qualify. Uh, but it would have been much better had that game finished one-one, uh, and unfortunately it didn't. And then Rangers played Villarreal. I think before we say anything else, we have to kind of talk about the red card decision, don't we? Yeah, it's. Um it was an interesting one. I think for me, 
it took a couple of looks to find out kind of what actually what happened. Uh, obviously, it's clear now that it was Morelos that made the uh, made the foul, and then can Candias. Uh, I think it was kind of his momentum and the fact he couldn't stop, and then anybody just tangled. It just it just didn't look pretty. Um, and it, it, at one point, it did look kind of one action uh, when, you see, when you see him from behind. Candias, uh, it did look like it was a bit um, bit reckless. But he, but he wasn't. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> he did. He did stand on him. He did stand on him. And he, he didn't really step over him. He actually stepped. Uh, he actually stepped on his leg, which you didn't see from one camera angle. You, you did see it. I've seen still, uh, still shots uh, from the opposite side where you see he does come down on the Villarreal player's leg. But I don't think that's what the referee sent him off for. No. According to a report, I think it was his son who. Managed to get a hold of the referee's match report. Said that he was sent off for unsporting conduct, having squared up to a Villarreal player, <clears throat> which I'd find very weird because the Villarreal player himself wasn't booked. Uh, and also, Lasana Koulibaly came out and said that the referee was telling the players it was number two, which is Tavernier, and they were saying that's not number two. He's number two, kind of thing. And Tav was saying it was it was me that done it because Tav kind of came in at the end as well. Yeah, because you see not seen on the footage that he was. Um after the red card was, was shown, he was up to the, the uh, assistant referee that was like saying it was me who was, was pointing to himself. What I thought, what I thought is that, because they kind of all went in and then they stood up and there was a bit of kind of afters and I think the referee just wanted to book somebody and I think he'd forgotten that he'd booked Candace. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that. And had he not, had he realised he'd booked Candace, I don't think he would have shown him a, red, a yellow card. No, but he I, might have even booked somebody else. I think if he was sensible, uh, I think it does take a, a brave referee to do this just because when he's getting pressurised by players and when you've got 50,000 uh, fans going berserk that to kind of calm, like, calm down have a think and speak to the, the linesman mm-hmm. and just try and figure out what, what, what happened the thing is though, he, he, as a referee he could have realised like oh no um, maybe I was wrong booking him and say so can he just cancel it and then show Tavernier the red card so it was strange card uh, sorry yeah yellow card it was strange that, <laughs> that, that would have been really harsh <laughs> So it was strange. Like, he seemed very, very eager to get over and done with. The guy in the orange top that ran on the park immediately afterwards, he was very angry at the decision. He was. Um, one thing that referees do quite a lot, I mean, every fan, fans and pundits want referees to, to kind of treat every decision in a vacuum kind of thing. But referees don't do that, and it's probably right that they don't do that for, for the sport, because you, you don't want a referee who just applies the letter of the law all the time. So what referees will tend to do so you see, you'll see it often in games where players will put some challenges in and they don't get booked, and then somebody puts an R tackle in and they get booked, and it's like the commentators like, "Well, how's that any worse than the ones earlier?" It's, it's not a case that it's worse. Uh, it's the fact that the referee thinks, "Okay, this point in the match, tensions are seeming to get a little high. I'm going to have to book somebody to keep a lid on it because if I don't start showing the players that they could be punished for this, this is going to get out of order." And I wonder, just with the, the kind of players all coming together, he just wanted to kind of show his authority and say, like, cut this out, I'm going to book somebody. And it just unluckily happened to be Daniel Candia standing there, uh, having already been booked. I thought his first one was a little bit harsh as well. But if, if, the referee, if, if the referee was um, more in tune with what's been happening in Scottish football, um, he would have written in his match report that uh, Candia was blowing kisses uh, to the Villarreal <laughs> player on, on the deck. The thing is, the game could have been stopped maybe twice just in the just right before that. And I'm sure there was. I think maybe Tavernier might have fouled somebody. 
could have got stopped at that point, I think, and I might, and then just before that, I think there might have been a free kick to Rangers in the build-up yeah. as well. Uh, but it kind of let play on, play go on, and then there was that big straw match immediately afterwards. So as for Rangers himself, I mean, very good. That was another thing. That was another weird narrative. To I, the Rangers I, game is everybody saying like I've seen like the headlines. And stuff are you going to say yeah, about Waddle and Goldson? No, no. Okay. I was going to say like people saying like oh McGregor's won Rangers this great point, which massively boosts them. Europa League points had Rangers lost that night last night wouldn't really made that much of a difference they still have to beat Rapid Vienna in the last game mm-hmm. and they still would have to regardless it's a great it's a great achievement to, to last over 45 minutes against Villarreal with 10 men and to keep a clean sheet but, I, but it doesn't actually do much to help them in the group I, I can kind of see what uh, where they're coming from doing it just because the fact that they have held on for yeah. uh, ten, with 10 men against Philadelphia and it's more of the kind of um, mindset and yeah. mental if you want but going that's into the Vienna not game. what I thought a lot of people were writing and I uh, probably not yeah, yeah. They, they probably not thought again when they're, when you're writing you're just like right, this, this, this kind of makes sense I don't really want to check it because I just want to finish my writing <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a nice snapshot of what my <laughs> what my working day is like it was an impressive point, but as you say, ultimately, it didn't really do anything for them yeah. to help them get through, other than it being a kind of psychological boost. Because I thought, because they got that free kick uh, about a minute in injury time, and I the set-half started to go forward, and then they kind of retreated, and they didn't really put anybody in the box. I thought at that stage, just get everybody in the box, and just lump a long ball in there and see what happens. Because if you lose a goal, it doesn't really change it all that much. Like you say, I suppose it does hurt with losing a match in terms of your mindset because now that they've got this point against Villarreal they can maybe build on that and say right let's show a similar defensive mm. performance away from home and we'll have 11 men on the park hopefully and can maybe hurt rapid Vienna as well because Rangers were certainly the better sides when they met earlier in the campaign so I suppose I, there is that but I, I still thought Rangers could have maybe just in that last moment just threw a couple of bodies forward and, and just taken a chance there was there was also when Villarreal had a free kick and the ball kind of broke at the edge of the box and they were I think a bit more composure it could have been similar to the goal against the third goal against Vienna uh, at Ibrox where they, if the ball was played right I think it was Middleton would have been one on one possibly yeah. breaking free there was a lot of rain, throughout this game I don't think Rangers actually played that well they defended as a team well but I don't think they worked that well going forward. They had opportunities uh, where I know it's a tough opponent, but they had opportunities similar to like other games because they, you know, they played a you know, tough enough group that they really could have actually asked some questions. But it was just a number of players getting caught in the ball. Middleton didn't have a good first half at all. Uh, Morelos, didn't. Morelos was lively enough in the first half, but again there was a few times where he, he didn't quite choose the right option or his touch let him down, he disappeared completely after half time, I know he kind of had a thankless task up there on his own, but you usually expect Morelos to get the ball in lots of space and do something with it, at least hold it up enough so his teammates can join him, that didn't really happen and you only really had Scott Arfield kind of doing anything in an attacking sense uh, second half, the I thought Jack was a lot better um, but mainly just kind of getting in the face of Villarreal players and and helping the midfield to be combative. I thought Koulibaly had his best game for a while, and Arfield, well, he wasn't as influential because he had to drop back, he still done a, a good job defensively. It, it, but they, they threw the stars of the show pretty much in the end, because the th- three quarters of McGregor as well, obviously, for the saves, for th- three quarters of the back line were fucking horrendous. Waddle, actually, Waddle's maybe too harsh. He was just a bit shaky, but he did have some good moments. Cool, uh, Goldson and Flanagan, Flanagan especially, oh my God. Flanagan was bad. I didn't think his pass back that got intercepted. I still thought Waddle was badly at fault for that as well because it wasn't it wasn't that far away from him. And then Waddle done a, he almost turned the wrong way and then just ran parallel to the ball. I I did wonder which one of the replays whether he could have cut it out. 
I thought you could I think so, yeah. Ah. Uh, just uh, Flanagan, I agree with from uh, what, I, what I've read and the, the bits, I, bits I saw. Barisic, I think, is back in the squad for the game on Sunday against Hearts, which was a massive boost for, boost for uh, Rangers. He's just a completely different proposition to Halliday and um, Halliday and Flanagan. But it was interesting because Gerard came out and was like full of praise for Warrell and, and Golton. Because I know, obviously, sitting next to you, you were, you were laughing a lot at the, the, the state of um, Rangers' defence despite them keeping a clean sheet. It was a amount of times in the penalty area they just failed completely to stop Villarreal striker, normally number seventeen, whose name I've forgotten. Just drifting past them without even like laying a gl- like laying a finger on them. Wasn't there one moment where um, Golden? It was kind of like that um, incident in the Champions League when Messi went past uh, Boateng. Um, they got like made into so many gifts that just like basically Boateng just uh, just disappeared down a black hole. <laughs> Yeah, that happened a few times. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought both teams actually looked quite poor at the back, which makes it even more bizarre that it ended up finishing now. I mean, Rangers. I mean, obviously they, they were disadvantaged going, going down to ten men, but when they had eleven men, I mean, they had, they had one very good chance that Goldson got all wrong when it was yeah. kind of nodded. I think it was nodded back down to him in the box. Uh, that was a really good chance. But that I, chance, I wonder whether Warrell should have just went himself. He seemed to have enough of the goal at that back post uh, game. He got a header on target himself. And uh, I feel that a kind of half chance was it kind of early doors. I think yeah. yeah. Either side of the goalkeeper, and it might have been, it might have been decent. And then they had, had the one towards the end when Lafferty had it from about 112 yards. Morelos had a flick from a corner as well that went over. And obviously Middleton's disallowed goal. So I mean, Clearly. I mean, as much as as much as they were up against it, down to 10 men, uh, I still thought they created... I still thought they were decent. Uh, I mean, when that draw was made and you're kind of looking at the opponents, you think... Rangers are going to really struggle in that group and you know ultimately the three teams that they'll draw against probably aren't as good as, yeah. as we thought they were when the, when the draw was made but if, I mean if they get through and I wouldn't say it was beyond them to go to Vienna and win uh, I mean that's still a pretty good achievement I would I would label this um, this, this the group of mediocrity um, maybe not mediocrity just shit in terms of European standards they are all with the exception of Rangers they are all actually struggling yeah. domestically Villarreal 16th uh, I think Vienna 8th and Moscow 7th right, yeah, especially with Vienna when 8th uh, and a, a team I think it's got about 9 teams in it <laughs> a team a league it's not a league that's got 9 teams in it uh, are Rangers going to do it? Uh, their away record isn't great is it? well it's good in Europe is uh, I will say <laughs> uh, I will say yes I think they will as well I think they'll um I think they'll sneak a 1-0 I'll uh, go I think it'll be a frustrating draw and they'll, they'll, they'll go out with their heads held high I can already see the pictures of um, celebrating on, on the pitch Gerard getting um, praised to the high heavens by Rangers fans and uh, the, the team in general getting uh, <clears throat> having the spirit of Bears if they go out it's I the... don't know if Bears have a lot of spirit but <laughs> I think uh, they, they do, they, they do um, Rangers do, uh, do like referring to the players as Bears uh, if they go out I think it's the two Spartak games that would have done it for them because they should have beaten Spartak at home and then the away leg I mean it's tough to say that they should have won because McGregor still made about three great saves and they conceded four goals but they should have been they had a perfectly good goal well, what was it, made four, it would have been 4-2 four two. Two. and yeah. yeah and Katic hitting the post in like the last minute of injury time as well they should have took at least four points from the, the Moscow games ended up at one yeah that's done them potentially right let's move on yes from from the, Europa from, from the lows of the Europa League to the heights of Stenhousemuir. They've got a new manager. Yes. I thought it would have been very strange. It's the radiator, isn't it? That was, that was, that was kind of an odd interview. In that, I mean, I think, 
I mean, I think it was Colin McManaman. It was just that he was like a kind of pinprick uh, in the distance, but it suddenly sounded like him with the radiator having as much. Uh, I, I only I just quickly glanced at, at the photo, but it looked like um, he was being interviewed um, via CCTV camera in the in the corner of the room. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't the most enlightening of interviews. Uh, however, uh, I thought it would have been strange to talk about Senate Spear and not get Craig Telfer's input. So he sent me uh, a load of notes. I followed them on you. Yep. I don't know if you read them, Craig. Nope, no, read them. that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, Craig wrote a, a very good article when Brown Ferguson uh, was relieved of his duties uh, a, f- a few weeks back. He was, I think, like everybody, he was very surprised. Sinismuir were doing probably as well as anybody could have expected this season. They were. Uh, they did win a, a few matches. They didn't look at their depth, but they were losing the majority of their games, albeit by one or two goals. Mm. They've never been hammered this season. Uh, and then you think to say, well, what exactly were the board? What exactly were the board expecting? And he, as Craig did point out in his article, <coughs> excuse me, that it wasn't just this season's results that they were taking into consideration. They were also taking into consideration last season's results, which is odd when you think about it. Bearing in mind last season, Senes Muir uh, got promoted. But the one one thing for me because I read I read Craig's um, article and then read the notes he, he sent us, but. So he called it the strange. He called it the strangest uh, managerial kind of sacking or um, kind of departure of the season so far, and there's been quite uh, quite a few. But then you look at the results. They'd lost eight out of twelve in the league, and looking back over his reading it and over his tenure, it's, he's, I think he's done a decent job, but he's not done. Uh, he's not done an outstanding. No, he's not done an outstanding job. It's, it's, so, he failed to keep them up when other managers might have done. He did get them promoted via the playoffs, but they did finish fourth. Yeah, they, they kind of scraped, yeah. scraped into it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it wasn't like a, a fantastic job, and I can kind of see why the, the, maybe the board are just thinking, right, we're, we're still, we're not doing massively, uh, we're not a huge point in the league. I think it's quite close down the, it's quite, uh, close down the bottom, so it's maybe a good time to make a change and try and freshen things up. That's probably why it's so strange, because we're quite patient and loyal to them. Uh, over previous struggles, yeah, I mean, so they, it's almost like why why do it now? They had a they had a, a three year plan um, to at some point in twenty nineteen. I think it was when they got relegated um, to uh, to League Two. They stuck with Brown, uh, Brown Ferguson and said, "We're going to have a three year plan. We're going to keep uh, you in place until um, twenty nineteen. And I think they maybe just just got bored. <laughs> I mean, I think they suggested that they needed freshened up. And, and I mean, last season there was doubts about the fact. Uh, his formations weren't always uh, suitable to, to, to his personnel that he had. Uh, if they were behind, it was always felt that his substitutions very rarely kind of uh, managed to get anything uh, from a game. And I suppose if there was doubts last season when they were winning games, then there was, obviously there's going to be increased doubts when they're you know when they're when they're losing most weeks in, in League One. Last season as well, their entire game plan was primarily involved Mark McGuigan scoring plenty of goals, which was uh, which they very much done. And then they had Harry Payton in the middle of the park as well. I suppose it's a bit like Montrose. Uh, Senesh Muir's success last season was scoring goals. Montrose's success last season was not letting any in. Were they ever going to be able to do that again this season? Well, no, because Montrose are now hemorrhaging goals and, and Mark McGuigan struggling to score any this season. So I suppose maybe when you when you look a wee bit further, it wasn't a huge surprise that, uh, that, that he left. I think where the board may have got a wee bit surprised, and this is what Craig Telfer hinted at in, in his notes, and that they probably thought there was going to be quite a lot of applicants for the position. Uh, and I think they were unpleasantly surprised at the standard of applicant they got. I mean, obviously we, we don't know who uh, who did apply for the job, but I think the you're I, sincerely, <laughs> Mr. Cathro. 
Nacho Novo. But then they send out a tweet on the day of the like, so basically closing date for applications. Almost like a reminder. Please apply for this. FTP, Bob Malcolm. P.S. The Syrian refugee is a bully. But yeah, so now we've been left with with Colin McMenamin. Will he... I mean, they're not in too bad a position. Uh, Albeit at the bottom league, they're not cut off. They've got Harry Payton back uh, on loan, I think. I was very surprised they managed to get him back. I mean, he was excellent last season. Was arguably the best player in League 2. I mean, I actually thought he could have uh, got some game time for Ross County this season. Even Ross County fans are saying that they kind of regret sending him out on loan and, and probably would have preferred if they'd kept him. But he's back. He'll, he'll probably make a difference. Mark McGuigan is starting to score goals again. Uh, if they can get some more, uh, more at him, then again, they probably won't get cut adrift. I still think it'll be a struggle to keep them up. Montrose look like they probably have a wee bit more about them this season. Uh, Dumbarton, surely to goodness you, you don't expect Dumbarton to be kicking around the, the lower the lower reaches of that, that division all season. But yes, still a, a difficult task. Will they have any budget to bring anybody in in January? I'm not so sure. I don't think Stenny's got, got much money swelling around that, there. That's, that's what's going back to the, 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 whole, um, the whole appointment application process. That's kind of surprising the fact that they've taken this decision which on uh, which for many was surprising but, but they didn't have a um, didn't really have a plan in place for, uh, for replacing them so like, you would have thought if they were, were going to make this decision that they would have sounded out candidates and had a rough idea of who would be applying or who'd be willing to have an interview or who'd be willing to take the job and now obviously they've, they've been left with going into and appointing as assistant Colin McMahon actually interviewed them I think last year um, about just about being a, a going from playing full time or uh, uh, part time, he seems like a, a nice guy. But, uh, he's still a coach at the same time uh, at Steny under under Brown Ferguson, and he um, he was telling me some of the days he worked because I think he was training to be an electrician as well, uh, and the hours he put in was like. What? No he's thanks. had a, I mean, he's had a decent start. I mean, they were they, they lost away to. Uh, Dumbarton which uh, they lost 2-1 I think it was a, a Dom Thomas Wonder goal which uh, kind of done them in that one they were they were okay against Wraith Rovers in the next match uh, Wraith deserved to win 3-1 but Wraith's last goal was uh, was right at the death and from the last 15-20 minutes I, I kind of thought Rovers were going to throw it away I, I mean it wouldn't have been a, a massive surprise if Stenny had got something from it they were, they were perfectly decent and then of course on Saturday uh, they gave Craig Telford one of the best days of his life uh, <laughs> with uh, how long had it been since it, since it defeated Falkirk? It was uh, it was, since the 30s or something ridiculous. Like certainly at home anyway, it was a ridiculous period of time. So I suppose it's, that's a decent way to, to announce yourself on the, the managerial stage. So, yeah, we'll see how he gets on. Yeah, I. Um, so did Falkirk get rid of the. Take the highlights down? Just because I, I found them on, on YouTube. The highlight, I mean, they weren't great, just showed, showed the goals. But, um, I think they've been removed from their website, but they were still on YouTube. I don't know why they've been removed. They looked like um, not taking anything away from Steny, but my God, those goals were easy. That was good, really good, thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, it's always good to watch a, a Falkirk defeat on Falkirk TV. <laughs> so did they, have, did they have commentary? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 started, so I listened to it, was like no commentary, so I just, just muted it and listened to something while, while watching it. Oh, no, there's definitely a commentary when mm. I watched it. Really and enjoyable. You, you watch it. It's a mistake, Joel. <laughs> that's kind of like a link I'm really not on my game today uh, Ian Murray Airdrie Ian Murray Airdrie good, Go. good link Good link uh, Airdrie fans Since Ian Murray arrived Airdrie fans seem to be Oscillating wildly between uh, We're absolutely guff uh, And we'll probably Struggle to stay up To Oh actually we're quite good And at the moment They're now at the Actually we might be quite good 
uh, way of thinking. They've won three in a row. Uh, they had a really good win over Dumbarton in the Scottish Cup on Saturday. Thoroughly deserved. A uh, really good first half performance and a slightly more up against it the, the second period, but a uh, really merited win. I mean, uh, Ian Murray's quite an interesting one because when he arrived at Dumbarton, one of the things that's always been discussed is how professional. So, you know, Dumbarton were a part time team and they tried to instill as many uh, kind of full time. Uh, kind of ethos or, or full-time ways of working that he could on a, on a part-time basis. He made training much more professional. He made the warm-ups more professional. The half-time drills much more professional. You can see every fans are already noticing that the, the warm-ups before a game and the half-time drills are, are a lot more. You know, he's repeating what he did at Dumbarton. Which, bear in mind, in the lower leagues, the half-time interval normally involves six boys standing about. And the fact that they now have drills uh, says a lot about them. You can see that his. Uh, his formations have evolved uh, since he arrived. So his first couple of games played a 4-4-2. That then evolved to a, a kind of 4-4-1-1. And his last couple of games where he really seems to have uh, kind of come across something, whether that's by by luck or design, uh, he's playing a 4-2-3-1. And I think the reason that that's been so successful the last couple of weeks is that he's got Kyle Wilkie playing in that number 10 position. I mean, there was a number of players uh, under the last management, manager, Shoot Finlay, that you thought... Why are they not producing? Because at the start of the season, it looked to me, and then most people that knew a wee bit about the lower leagues, that Airdrie would be there or thereabouts, they'd be challenging for the playoffs, and yet here they were looking absolutely terrible. Yeah, their um, transfer business in the summer is like, there's a lot of players, just from someone of not much knowledge of the lower leagues, players going out, um, out, the, um, out the team who don't seem like big names or don't seem like uh, they've, they've been around and then they bring in like Sean Crichton Daryl Duffy yep. Scott Gallagher um, Grant Gallagher David Hutton Leighton McIntosh and then Kyle Wilkie mm-hmm. as you mentioned yeah, and they've got Dale Carrick of course as we know he's the greatest player in the, <laughs> the lower league history uh, Dale Carrick has been kind of stuck out wide recently and he's kind of struggling a wee bit he may that's, be... that's a lie <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> if they are struggling anywhere it probably is white uh, they, so they had Daryl Duffy uh, kind of leading the lineup on his own at the weekend they had Dale Carrick Kyle Wilkie and Leighton McIntosh in behind uh, Carrick and McIntosh done fine but it was Wilkie that kind of dictates pretty much everything uh, he he worked really hard off the ball he is extremely good on the ball he scored an excellent goal he's actually scored well, he scored three in his last two games two pretty much identical and he picks the ball uh, picks the ball up 20 yards for goal and then uh, and off the, the kind of left hand post really good goal uh, and Duffy's now in amongst the goals as well it's quite interesting as well that we were pleasantly surprised at how Joe Victoria's got on this season at the start of the, the, start of the year of all the sign-ins he was the one that probably we didn't expect too much from and yet he was the one that, that started the season particularly well he's been kind of nudged out the side as has uh, Ryan Conroy now Airdrie fans have been say, saying for quite a few seasons now how is Ryan Conroy getting a game every single week? He is, for, I mean, for his entire career, he can cross a ball into a box and he can take a free kick. But if he isn't crossing the ball into a box and he isn't taking a free kick, he's contributing pretty much zero. And he's kind of he's kind of done that for Dundee, he's done it at Ray Flores, and he's kind of slipped down the leagues. And every time he slips down the leagues, you think, right, surely at this level, <laughs> you're going to see more from him. He's going to be able to dictate games, uh, get on the ball and, and make things happen. But he, he just hasn't done it. And it, just, it seems like he's a, he's a specialist player, so... If- if the um, if a team in there you do the same job and the uh, the same standard in the Premiership he would in, in League Two. So if teams just needed to like right, we'll just uh, last a few minutes just bring on someone on and just 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 cross it anytime you get cross it. But yeah, so thankfully he's out of the team. Uh, <laughs> interesting as well. Not they, crossing it. Interesting as well. They've uh, they, they dropped Scott Robertson as well. So again, he was a player along with Victoria who was 
probably one of the better players this season, uh, playing at right back and, and bombing forward and, and doing particularly well. He's been replaced by Chris O'Neill, who's actually looks like it might be a, an upgrade. And then the Miller Park as well, I've got Kieran Miller, another boy who'd kind of disappointed at the start of the season again at East Fife, excellent, uh, along with Kyle Wilkie. But the two of them are now, are now starting to come into a game, so they are now two points aside the playoffs, I think. Yeah, if they win. Where it starts about this weekend, actually, so I'm, I'm pretty interested to see how they how they get on. I don't think they'll collapse like a terrible deck chair like they did the last time we we, we played them. Uh, and Wraith, for me, I kind of flattened to deceive, so I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be overly surprised if Airdrie can pick something up this weekend. Okay, we'll move from there to another team in League One. You mentioned them already, Dumbarton. <laughs> Dumbarton. Uh, I when Wraith were without a manager, I thought Jim Duffy. I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been. Terribly disappointed of Jim Duffy had been appointed, and as much as I still think he'll probably do okay at Dumbarton, he has essentially inherited all the problems that Steve Aitken had, which is just that everybody's injured. Like at the weekend in the Scottish Cup, they only had two fit outfield players. That uh, was uh, sorry on the bench, only had two uh, outfield subs. It was Cammy Ballantyne and Willie Dyer. Now, I'm also presuming that they actually weren't fit because that's his probably his first choice fullbacks. Uh, and he actually started the game without any fullbacks. So I'm guessing actually they weren't for either. Uh, he also swapped goalkeepers at some at one point as well. So I, I don't know if I don't know if the goalkeeper terrified he'll get injured. Maybe. I don't know if the goalkeeper picked up an injury as well. Uh, I mean Dumbarton's in a Dumbarton's in a bit of a mess at the moment. I mean as much as getting rid of Steve Aitken, I think was the I think it was the right move. He he hasn't he's kind of flat to deceive for probably eighteen months. Uh, Dumbarton, but getting rid of him was, was never going to be a silver bullet that was going to cure all of uh, Dumbarton's ills. He's still left with a. A, a, a squad that's got very little balance uh, Rory Law and little balance even if everybody's fit they don't have a lot of balance and everybody isn't fit so missing at the weekend was Ian Russell who's injured Rory Loy who's injured uh, Ryan Thompson injured uh, Dom Thomas couldn't play but I think that was a request from Kilmarnock yeah because he's been cup time Craig Barr's injured of course Craig Barr's injured uh, Grant Adam <laughs> it's, it's not much shit <laughs> So we had a situation where Ross Forbes was playing at left back, uh, Short Carswell was playing at right back. He's been playing there a few weeks now, Ross Forbes. Ross Forbes, yeah, yeah but not because he necessarily thinks he's a left back. It's just to well, his debut. Everybody was raving about his performance at left back. Uh, he, he did, he did okay, uh, but I think he would be better utilised uh, further forward. Not left back. No, not left back. <laughs> uh, we had a situation where Michael Payton was playing up front, even though he has been a, a right winger for the majority of his career, as far as I'm aware. Uh, although to be fair he did play Callum, Callum Gallagher at right wing when he does have some experience of playing up front so there's always been fans of, of any club that Jim Duffy's been at has always spoke about weird kind of formations that Jim Duffy comes up with and, and that was certainly one I think if he'd swapped them it would have made them a, a stronger proposition it sounds like it's just like it's uh, round pegs and just one big massive square hole <laughs> I, I mean they've shut up shop a wee bit at the back, I mean, no, I can see a ridiculous amount of goals at the start of the season. Jim Duffy has managed to, to get them a clean sheet. They've won, uh, I mean, they've, they've, they beat his Fife, and they beat his Fife 4 now in his first game. They then had a 2 1 win over, over Senes Muir, but, but they've lost their last two convincingly as well. I mean, Airdrie were thoroughly deserved 3 0 winners, and, and Forfa were thoroughly deserved 3 0 winners a week before that. So they're in, they're in a relegation stramash. Can they, can they bring people in? Possibly. I mean, Andy Little has had to retire recently, so I'm guessing that frees up a wage. They signed Jack Aitchison on loan from Celtic earlier this season. He went. He ended up going back, back to Celtic yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for personal reasons, uh, I believe. So that may free up another wage. So that may give him some scope. Up. Possibly that may give him some scope uh, to bring in more guys. And if you know something, if Ballantyne gets fit, comes in at right back, he'll probably do very well. 
and if he can maybe bring in somebody for Ross Perry or you know something even Andy Dowie who appears to be done and just shouts at people every time they can see their goal that would help Mars as well it seems, from what you're telling us it seems that Jim Duffy is going to have to really turn things around between uh, between now and March before he can uh, lead Scotland into Euro 2020 qualifiers <laughs> I'm starting to think he may not be a future manager of Scotland although I look forward to Chick Young and try to suggest it should be uh, well if not Jim Duffy then Jim McAnally <laughs> that doesn't even be a thing about <laughs> I'd be all for that Right uh, We've still got about Two or three minutes left Sean you want to talk about Race Rovers uh, If I must John McGlynn Another new manager He He has He has improved them Playing fast and loose With the word new <laughs> He has improved them uh, There's a Playing surprisingly decent football He said that they were The best football Playing team in the division In fairness you should expect that Because they're the only Full time team in the league uh, I think Arbroath would probably have something to say about that the, the problem at the moment is Arbroath are going through that division like uh, the time Dunfermline were in it and just hammered everybody and I, the, the last time Livingston were in it and just hammered the time everybody. Rangers were in it the time Rangers were in it and just hammered everybody and went uh, the full season unbeaten and, and when you're up against something like that there isn't really too much you can do other than there are three more Wraith Rovers Arbroath meetings between now and the end of the season I mean Wraith will probably need to win at least two of them you would imagine uh, I mean I kind of looked at, this, uh, at, the, at the fixture list and thought to myself right if Wraith can maybe bring in on average just over two points per game you know that should be there or thereabouts in terms of winning the league and they're not that far away for that they're maybe three or four points away from where I expected Wraith to be but even then they would still be six points behind behind our growth McGlynn has certainly improved them uh, going forward he's brought in Daniel Armstrong who was at Wolves mm-hmm. uh, Wolves released him in the summer he's been excellent uh, on the right wing they didn't have a right winger until he came in uh, Nathan Flanagan's looking fairly sharp uh, on the left wing defensively it's where Wraith have the issues scoring goals isn't really a problem they, they kept loads of clean sheets last season uh, they didn't concede too many goals but uh, Grant Gillespie actually came back at the weekend and, and started a right back I know Gillespie's played there before but we actually don't really have a right back uh, we have a Jamie Watson a young guy who looks a bit out of his depth Ian Davidson is maybe 34 now he's kind of maybe running out of steam Kyle Benedictus doesn't look the same player uh, since he came back for that for that injury last season the rumours linking him with Falkirk uh, in January whether that's true or not remains to be seen if Falkirk were to offer some money for Benedictus at this point it can't be that bad surely well they're bad enough to play for Falkirk he's <laughs> probably a cut above what they have at the moment so I wouldn't be overly surprised if he went there but, but it's defensively it's where they're struggling uh, where they can improve that even if he did, you would still need our growth to, to go through a bit of, a bit of funk. Uh, Ten points is a, is a massive gap to, to close. I would expect Wraith to be in the playoffs come the end of the season. When you sat across with Danny Denham earlier in the season, did you think this this man and his team are going to make sure my club are stuck in the third tier of Scottish football for their third successive season? No, no, I thought they would be there or thereabouts and we would win the league convincingly. <laughs> uh, I've changed my mind. <laughs> but uh, just in terms of McGlynn's second... Uh, second spell uh, is the football a lot better to watch much better I mean that was part of the reason why as much as McGlynn had a lot of success with Wraith last time around when he left to join Hearts there wasn't, any, there wasn't too many Wraith Rovers fans that were that disappointed he, he was coming off the back of a, a season where we would finish about 7th or 8th and we'd kind of had enough of so, so playing playing on a, a playing a style of football that's basically chasing the ball into the corner is all well and good if you're winning games if you're finishing 7th or 8th it, it, it's, it's a pretty bleak experience so we weren't overly fussed t- to see him go but I've been pleasantly surprised at how we've played since he came back I mean 
he has the advantage that he's the only full time team in that league. Of course he does. But no, I was that was my slight concern when he came back. But uh, no, he's been fine. And now he's Pep Baldiola. Uh, some of that. <laughs> right, that's enough. Thank you very much for listening. Please say you read that somewhere. Did it come up with yourself? That was uh, that was in the group chat. I can't remember who said it now. Uh, I, I thought it was you on Twitter. No, I, I definitely read it in the group chat. No, yeah, fair enough. There was a few people giving them nicknames, and somebody said Pep Baldiola. If you do find out, um, just just take them, remove them from the group <laughs> chat. And myself, while I'm at it. <laughs> and yourself. I'll take over the admin. <laughs> Right, that's it. Thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to listen to more, we're about to record the Patreon soon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast, where, in the spirit of Craig Whiten <laughs> and Gary's uh, refusal love. to... Guy, Gary's love and refusal to Lost. believe... Quite possibly. Andy's refusal to believe that Craig Whiten's not actually that good. He's shite. <laughs> <laughs> He's absolutely shite. We're going to talk about players who we stubbornly refused to admit weren't any good. So make sure to listen to that. Like I said, patreon.com forward slash test podcast as little as $2 a month. Uh, and there's $2 a month to $7 a month. But we do have plans to introduce a, a new tier where we're going to do extra shows uh, and slip them into the new tier. So there's that going to launch, I don't know, probably before Christmas. Cool. Alright, Sean, say goodbye. Goodbye. Joe. Goodbye. And I'm Craig Fallon for the weekend. Hope you enjoy your football. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.